Proverbs 31, verses 21 through 24. Proverbs 31, verses 21 through 24. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You may be seated. Let's join our hearts together in prayer as we come to this text. Our Father, Help us in this time. Give my brothers and sisters energy and strength to be attentive to your word. We pray for all of us that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. Help us, please. Help me in expositing and applying this text. And help your people in listening and hearing. And for those who are lost, may they, by your grace, hear your word under the saving of their soul. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the blessing of it. We thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Jesus' name, amen. So we took a break last Lord's Day as I did a sermon on the nature of the new covenant from Jeremiah 31. But now this afternoon we're back to our study in Proverbs and we are in Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. We have seen that this woman who is a virtuous wife, as she's described in verse 10, is worth far above rubies. Her value is not equal to rubies. It's not above rubies. It's far above rubies. The reason why is because her husband can safely trust her. So he, have no, so he will have no lack of gain. Because she's a woman that seeks to do her husband good and not evil all the days of her life. She is a woman that is diligent to care for her family, both their clothing and their food. She's a woman that even uses her wisdom to buy a field and to, with her profits, plant a vineyard. She's a woman that's morally strong and she's a woman that's sympathetic towards others because she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. So this is... The beautiful woman. This is the virtuous wife. This is the woman that God sees as far above rubies. But now we'll see from verses 21 to 24 that a virtuous wife is resourceful and respectful. A virtuous wife is resourceful and respectful or respectable as well. So my first Point, a virtuous wife is resourceful. A virtuous wife is resourceful. And my second point, a virtuous wife is respectful or respectable as well. So again, my first point, a virtuous wife is resourceful. It says about this virtuous wife in verse 21 that she's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. And so this is a woman that 
because she's a diligent woman, because she's a woman that cares for her family, she's not afraid of snow if it would come to her family, if it would come in their surroundings, because her family is clothed with scarlet. She is a woman that makes sure her family is well taken care of, that they are a family that has what they need clothing-wise, and so they're not thrown off if it would snow and freezing while they're trying to live. She is a woman that cares for her household in the clothing that they would wear, that instead of being undone or unable to care for themselves or be able to survive if snow came, she is a woman that makes sure her household is clothed with scarlet. She is a woman that is diligent to make sure her house has what they need as it relates to clothing. Or verse 22, now even about herself, it says she makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Tapestry, as the 1828 Webster's Dictionary defines it, is, quote, a kind of woven hangings of woolen silk, often enriched with gold and silver, representing figures of men, animals, landscapes, etc., end quote. So it's woven hangs of wool and silk. They're usually enriched with gold and silver. And so exactly what she's using the tapestry for, it doesn't necessarily tell us, but it would make sense maybe she's using it as part of her clothing because of the second part of the verse. But she's a woman that with all that she's doing, she also makes sure she's taking care of herself, that she's well-clothed. And her clothing, as it even says in verse 22, is fine linen and purple. Purple was obviously an expensive thing in that time. It was something that was very valuable. And so because this woman was resourceful, and of course she probably had a well-to-do husband, as we'll see in verse 23, she was able to afford fine linen and purple. She was able to dress nice and dress in a way that was not unbecoming a woman of her status. She was a woman that dressed in a very beautiful way. And so sometimes, we'll see this more, but sometimes people can go two ditches as it relates to the way a woman would care for herself. One ditch is she's spending so much money that she's putting the family in financial straits because she's so worried about how she looks. That's one ditch. The other ditch is to think it's godly to look ugly and not taken care of. And a woman who just doesn't care about her appearance, doesn't care about the clothes she puts on or the attire she wears. But we see this woman, God's beautiful woman, the virtuous wife, is a woman that dresses in a nice way. She makes tapestry for herself and even her own clothing is fine linen and purple. That means there's nothing wrong with a lady dressing nice, looking nice, wearing beautiful outfits, wanting herself to look beautiful. God is actually wired in women. He has designed women to want to look beautiful. And therefore we see this woman wanted to look nice. She wanted to wear things that were beautiful. And there's nothing sinful or evil about a woman wanting to look nice. There's nothing wrong with a woman dressing up and making herself look beautiful. Nothing wrong with that at all. Because this woman wanted to dress beautiful, dressed up in fine linen, in purple, as a woman who feared the Lord. So we see this reality of the woman caring for her household as it relates to their clothing, 
and even herself wearing fine linen and purple. I will come back to verse. Well, I want to I want to read this quote because you can look at a verse like this, verse 22. I've already kind of made the point where I stand, but it can almost sound because if you know other verses, it can almost sound like women dressing nice is not profitable. It's not good. First Peter two or first Peter three, first Timothy two. So how can this woman, where we know the Bible never contradicts itself, how can this woman say she's dressing in fine linen and purple? She's dressing very nice and in an elegant way, where the Bible also tells women to not be focused on braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly clothing. In one of the commentaries I was reading in preparation, he said this. This is by a guy named Johnny Kitchen. He said, quote, Has this woman... In presenting herself in this way, violated the principles of modesty and appropriateness later found in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10, and 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6? Not at all. The New Testament passages call women to not neglect the development of their inner life, something this woman clearly has not failed in, verse 30. The warning there is not simply against outward adornment, but outward adornment without inner substance. Here she wears clothing appropriate to her God-given station in life and wears it with dignity and humility, end quote. So those passages in 1 Peter 3, 1 Timothy 2, are not saying that a woman cannot look nice. The problem there is women were so consumed with their outward beauty that they were neglecting the inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. They were neglecting the beauty of good works. And so, yes, it is wrong when a woman dresses nice and dresses in a beautiful way at the expense of her inner being, at the expense of her inner person. But it's not wrong for a woman who fears the Lord, who loves the Lord, to want to look nice. It's actually a good thing for women to want to look feminine and beautiful and to wear nice things. That's a good thing. It's nothing wrong with that at all. And some people, sadly, have taken prohibitions like in 1 Timothy 2 or 1 Peter 3 to mean that women can't look nice. They can't make themselves look nice, which is not what the point is at all. It's just not neglecting the inner life while doing things for outward adornment. And so this woman was a woman who wanted to look beautiful, but wore it with dignity and humility. But then in verse 24, we see that, I'm going to come back to verse 23. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. So this woman not only makes sure her house is clothed well, she doesn't, only make, she doesn't only make sure that she herself is clothed well. She even, with some extra, extra time that she has, makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. So she makes linen garments and she sells them. And she also supplies sashes, which was a belt worn, worn for uh, to look nice as an ornament to the merchant, she would sell those things as what we would maybe call a cottage industry. This woman, with her extra time, was able to have a what we could call a home business. 
She was caring for her household. She was caring for her family. But she also, with some extra time in a season of life where she had it, she was able to make things and sell them. And ladies do this today as well. Some ladies who have the time, who have the ability, who have the energy, they might make soaps, they might make head coverings, they might make skirts or dresses, they might do a a host of different things. And they sell those things as a home business to help the family with their gifts and their talents and something they enjoy. And there will be nothing wrong with a woman if she has the ability and desire for her to make some income in that way like we see the Proverbs 31 woman doing. It's not a requirement for every woman because we know the primary breadwinner in a family is to be the husband and father. But it's also not wrong for a woman if she's able to manage her household well to do things from and in the home and these realities where she's able to sell things and care for other people by making certain products for their benefits. It can be good to be able to do that. So it would be wrong for someone to say that a woman who ever makes any income would be violating scriptural principles because we see this woman making profits, selling things, these type of things. So it would be wrong, therefore, in our desire to uphold the value of homemaking, which we should, to say that a woman can never make any outside income because of the Proverbs 31 woman. It would be wrong to say if a woman ever makes outside income, any income of herself, she would be violating Titus 2 or other texts. A a woman, a virtuous wife, while keeping homemaking the key priority, is able, if she has opportunity, to make things or find other ways to contribute to the family economy. A woman contributing to the family economy can be a blessing and not necessarily a hindrance. And there can be many ways. I already talked about selling soaps or makeup or food supplies, head coverings, jewelry, clothing, making gift baskets, online computer work of some kind, etc. Are ideas where women can say, with the gifts and abilities God has given me, I can do something to help the family. Of course, this woman should do it under the authority of her husband, with her husband's blessing, with his encouragement, and only if she's able to do it while not neglecting her primary duties of loving her husband and loving her children. But we see this woman taking time to make things, to sell them, to supply for the merchants. So that's why I say this woman is resourceful. She's a woman that makes sure her family is well-clothed. She makes sure she's clothed. She makes sure that even, or she, with the extra time she has, makes linen garments and sashes and sells them. Well, how would this apply to a woman in the 21st century? Well, it shows that a woman, one, as I've already been saying, a woman in the 21st century who wants to look beautiful and wants to look eloquent and wants to look nice is doing nothing sinful at all. A woman who wants to look beautiful is not sinning. It is actually good and a blessing for women to enjoy their God-given beauty and to, in modest and humble ways, in a dignified way, dress eloquently. We also see that it's good for women to make sure their family not necessarily making the clothing like she is, but making sure the family is cared for so that when the family 
has things going on, a new season of life, a new season out of the year, that they have what they need so that the family doesn't freeze or the family doesn't fry because they don't have clothes for the summer or for the winter, for the spring, whatever it might be. A virtuous wife makes sure her family is taken care of in those ways. We also see a woman, like I've been saying, there can be wisdom, there can be prudence in a woman taking some type of skill that she has and using that skill to bless others and to even make some income. But now my second point. A virtuous wife is respectful or respectable. Verse 23 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the Lamb. Well, the interesting thing about this is it's been a lot of talk about the woman. A lot of talk about her. We did see in verse 11 that the husband, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. But now we see this language that her husband is known the gates when he sits among the elders of the Lamb. Well, how, how is this connected? How is this connected to the virtuous wife and her husband being known in the gates? Well, Matthew Henry puts it like this, quote, She adds to his reputation in the world, verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates, known to have a good wife. By his wise counsels and prudent management of affairs, it appears that he has a discreet companion in his bosom. By conversation with whom he he improves himself, by his cheerful countenance and pleasant humor, it appears that he has an agreeable wife at home. For many that have not their temper strangely soured by it, Nay, by his appearing clean and neat in his dress. Everything about him, decent and handsome, yet not gaudy. One may know he has a good wife at home that takes care of his clothes, end quote. And so we see Matthew Henry is saying that her, her husband is so successful as a man, is so blessed in his ability to be known in the gates, to be known out in his sphere, sphere of influence because he has a good wife at home. Because he has such a good wife at home, he is a man that is freed up to devote himself to what God has given to him. This man who has a good wife at home is seen because he's such a successful man out in the world. And so this man is able to have a good testimony outside of his home. And a key reason for that is because he has a good wife at home. It makes a man's life very difficult if he's stressed about his wife and what she's doing and if, he, if she loves him, if she cares for him. But when he has a good wife at home, he's able to be freed up from all that stress. because He's not worried about what's going on, what's happening. He's not worried about those type of things. And therefore, he has the freedom to pursue what God has given him with more vigor and encouragement. If a man has a woman that he's always having to do things for in the sense that she's not able to manage herself, then it becomes very difficult for him to prosper in what God has called him to. But when he has a diligent, faithful wife, he is able to be a blessing in his home and outside the home even more because he has a blessed wife. A virtuous wife doesn't make things more difficult, tasking or taxing, irksome for a husband, but she makes his life such a blessing. And therefore, he is able to be a blessing of those he is with and come across. 
She doesn't make his life worse. She makes his life better. A virtuous wife makes her husband's life so much better than if he didn't have her. And therefore, he is able to prosper all the more. He's able to be a blessing to others because of that. And for those of you who are not married in this room, there are some here. This is why it's so important that you marry well. Because a wife that you're going to choose is either going to make your life better and more prosperous and more blessed or worse and more difficult and harder. Let me read J.C. Ryle from his book, Thoughts for Young Men. This is on his section, Make Friends with the Friends of God. Listen to J.C. Ryle. Everybody listen very closely. This is such an important section of his, of his book, especially for younger men. Quote, I dwell the more upon this point, that point being make friends with the friends of God. I dwell the more upon this point because it has more to do with your prospects in life than at first sight appears. If ever you marry, it is more than probable you will choose a wife among the connections of your friends. If Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram, had not formed a friendship with Ahab's family, he would most likely not have married Ahab's daughter, 2 Kings 8.18. And who can estimate the importance of a right choice in marriage? It is a step that, according to the old saying, either makes a man or mars him. Your happiness in both lives may depend on it. Your wife must either help your soul or harm it. There is no medium. She will either fan the flame of religion in your heart or throw cold water upon it and make it burn low. She will either be wings or fetters, a rein or a spur to your Christianity. According to her character, he that findeth a good wife doth indeed findeth a good thing. Proverbs 18.22. But if you have the least wish to find one, be very careful how you choose your friends. End quotes. So J.C. Ryle here is saying that the, the woman that a man chooses, it's also the similar for a woman to a man, but here we're, we're talking about young men. It has such an effect on your life. As he says, according to the old proverb, the woman you choose either makes a man or mars him. There's no medium. There's no in-between us. I'll later say about the reality. Your wife must either help your soul or harm it. There is no medium. And so we see here, because this is such a virtuous wife, she doesn't mar her husband, she makes him. She doesn't bring reproach upon her husband, she blesses him. And therefore, her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land. He is such a good wife. That she is a blessing to him. And it makes his life that much more successful. A good wife can truly make a man's life so much better. By her love, care, kindness, affection. And great care of his home. A virtuous wife can make it easier for her husband to succeed. By her love and care for him. In this way. Because of having a virtuous wife, he is known in the gates. And so we see this this woman is such a godly woman to her husband that she brings blessing to him. But let me pause for a second. This text in Proverbs 31 is not to make women feel bad about themselves. The purpose of this is not women to feel how far short they fall, how insufficient they are, how 
much of a failure they are in these things. What this text, this woman is not a superwoman. She's not a demigod, so to speak. She's a real woman with real desires that, can, that were not completely sanctified. She was like us. But what she was, she was a woman that feared the Lord. And this text is not meant to crush women. It's meant to encourage women to be all that God wants them to be. It's to be an encouragement to women of what God has for them if they would fear him, love him, and seek to be the faithful, virtuous wife that God would want them to be. This text is not meant to beat women down. It's meant to encourage them to love and good works. It's meant to encourage them to be the type of women that God has saved them to be. When God saves a woman, he gives her the desire and the ability and the strength to be a virtuous wife. Everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need to be a virtuous wife is in Christ and by the Holy Spirit possible. And so this text is not supposed to beat women down. It's not to make women feel bad about themselves. It's meant to encourage them to be a blessing to their husbands and to be women that are godly, virtuous wives. But as we think about this woman here, as I've been seeking to apply this to ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, because no text has been rightly preached unless in some way it gets us to Christ. And as we think about this woman not being afraid and being clothed with scarlet and being clothed in fine linen and purple, Throughout the Bible, clothing is a picture of the righteousness we get from God. That we stand before God in our sinfulness naked. We stand before God without proper clothing. We stand before God with shame and with disgrace. We don't have fine linen and purple. We do not have clothing that keeps us not afraid for the judgment to come. But in Christ, God gives us Christ's perfect robe of righteousness. That we can stand before God, not in our own filthy rags of sin and debauchery, but we can stand clothed in the righteous garments of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we believe upon Jesus Christ, God gives us his perfect righteousness. So that we can stand before God, not with us as the reason why we're accepted. But Christ, his person, his work. And therefore, God showed this all throughout the Bible, but especially we see at the beginning, when Adam and Eve fell, they made loincloths for themselves, but they were not sufficient. And so the Lord killed an animal so that they'd be clothed in that animal's skin. So throughout the Bible, We see this picture, or even Jesus tells the parable about the wedding garments. The importance of having that wedding garment on so you're prepared to stand before God on Judgment Day. And so this picture of clothing and the need for clothing ultimately points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our all-sufficient Savior, who by his perfect life and his sacrificial death clothes us in his perfect righteousness so that we never have to be afraid of wrath, or revenging punishment in this life or the life to come because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have justification. We have a right standing with God. And therefore we can say we are clothed with the fine linen and purple robes 
of Jesus's righteousness. In Christ, we have his robes of righteousness that he clothes on us freely by his grace and for his glory. But if you're here without Christ, you can never be what God wants you to be, whether as a woman, a man, a boy, a girl, unless you are first clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Until you are by faith joined to Jesus and he becomes your righteousness, you can never be what God wants you to be. You can never be all that God wants you to be until you are in Jesus Christ. He alone can rescue you. He alone can save you. He alone can transform you to be what he wants you to be. Without Christ, you stand before God naked and exposed. But in Christ, you stand before God with a perfect robe of righteousness. So come to Christ and find him to be your perfect righteousness. And ladies, don't look at this text as something that you should just feel beaten down by or discouraged by. Or you hear it preach and say, I just feel discouraged. Use it as something to motivate you and encourage you to be resourceful, to be a blessing to your family, to be a godly, virtuous wife, knowing that in Christ you can be all that God commands you to be. That you can be what God wants you to be in Christ. And you can more and more be a blessing to your family. And it should be your desire, if you're not married or if you are married, to be a blessing to your husband. Your primary role under God, if you're married, is to make your life, your husband's life, a blessing. Doing him good, as we saw in this text, in this this section of scripture. Doing him good and not evil. All the days of your life doing him good so that his life is freed up to be a blessing to others so that he can be all that God wants him to be. It should be your great joy that your husband would be blessed so that he can be a blessing. It should be your great desire that he trusts you and you're doing him good. And husbands, Husbands should be those who encourage their wives in the things they see they're doing well. To praise them when they're doing well by the grace of God. To encourage them, to build them up, to strengthen them. Because wives can be so, what's the word? They can be so easy to put themselves down. And they need husbands that will encourage them. And encourage them in the good that they're doing. So that they can be built up in what God wants them to do. They need their husbands to praise them so that they can be encouraged all the more to be faithful. And those who aren't married as boys or young men, this is the type of woman you want. You want a woman who will make your life a blessing. A woman who will not mar your life, but make it. A woman that will encourage your life and not harm it. And ladies who are not married, you should want to be this. This is what you should want to be. A woman that is a blessing to others, a woman that cares for your husband in the way so that he can prosper in what God has called him to be. And so may God help us and remembering all these things rightly understood must point us to Christ who alone is the one who clothes us with his perfect righteousness. He's ultimately the reason why we can be unafraid of the judgment to come. Because we are in Christ clothed with his perfect righteousness. And when we stumble and fall, we remember that our acceptance with God is not based on us, 
but based on Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'd apply it. Help it to be stuck into the heart for your glory. May you be pleased to bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.